Hey everyone, it's Drew Dudley, the host of the Day One Leadership Podcast. You're about to hear my conversation with Joel Hilchey and Brandon Love. They are the authors of Brain Sprouting, How to Become Fearlessly Creative and Have Better Ideas More Often. They're going to teach you how to come up with more ideas, how to come up with them faster, and how to come up with better ideas. So what I'd like you to do, if you would like a copy, an autographed copy of Brain Sprouting, and as you listen to this interview, I think you're going to want it more and more, all you have to do is this. During the podcast, or while you're listening to the podcast, whenever that is, tweet at Day One Leadership, that's D-A-Y, the number one, and leadership. Tweet us a creative idea for what you would use your autographed copy of Brain Sprouting for. It has to be a creative idea, and it can't be to read it. And as you listen to the podcast, you'll understand a little bit better what I'm asking for. But come up with a creative thing you could do with the book Brain Sprouting, and we will randomly pick some people who submit it to at day one leadership, D-A-Y, the number one leadership, to receive autographed copies of the book. Really hope you enjoy this episode. I'll be back at the end. Everybody wants to play a bigger part. This is day one. This is day one. Everybody's wondering what we are at heart. This is day one. This is day one. Everybody wants to play a bigger part. Why are you waiting for tomorrow to start? This is day one. All right. I'm here with two guests today. First time I've ever had two guests. Joel Hilchey teaches at McMaster University, speaks and writes about leadership, success, creating a better world. He's also a member of a variety of championship vocal groups. Joel, could you sing something for us to kick things off? Hello. Okay, I like it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hi, I'm Joel, everyone. It's great to be here. Thanks, Drew. No problem. I'm also here with Brandon Love. Now, Brandon is a teacher, speaker, magician, hypnotist which i have seen in action at, at like a pace that really freaked me out so at no point do i want you putting me under in the course of this that's okay yeah and and for those listeners at home you can wake up now <laughs> <laughs> and together these two men run the beanstalk project a youth engagement initiative and together they have written brain sprouting how to become fearlessly creative and have better ideas more often gentlemen thank you so much for being here today thank you for having yeah, us. yeah thanks so much drew Oh, this is amazing. So let's dive right in. Early on in the book, I think page two, you say that when it comes to creativity, we've learned to settle for less and we've become oblivious to our mediocrity. What led you to, to that belief? Oh, that's good. So it probably started back, uh, our kind of first experiences with brainstorming were back in about sixth grade. And our sixth grade geography teacher asked us to do a project or to brainstorm five ideas for our geography project. Uh, and uh, we already knew we wanted to do our project on volcanoes. Why? Well, two words. Hot, Hot lava. lava. Mm -hmm. That's right. And so we wrote down volcanoes and then we wrote down four other stupid ideas that we had no intention of actually doing to satisfy the brainstorming requirement. Uh, and, and that was kind of our idea of, of brainstorming. And for a lot of people, I think that's sort of what they still think of things as. Yeah, it seems, uh, it seems pretty innocent, in fact. But, uh, but we kind of think there were two negative side effects of uh, treating brainstorming with this sort of lackadaisical approach. Um, one, we started to doubt the process had any value because it didn't work for us. It didn't generate anything new for us. We already knew what we wanted to do, and we just did it because it was an obligation. 
Uh, and the second thing is because we recognize that brainstorming was this tool for creativity um, and it didn't work for us, but it must work for somebody out there. So we started to believe that we weren't actually creative. Uh, and eventually that belief started to, to infiltrate, you know, our daily lives. And, and I think that's where a lot of people now find they would identify they're not creative beings, uh, whereas as kids they might have. Yeah, no, they, I, th- I think um, we, we see this in practice. If you look around in team meetings, in uh, any sort of organization that, that sort of says, oh, let's have a brainstorming session to kind of solve a problem or we need a new marketing approach or whatever it is. And you say, oh, how did that go for you? And it's like, oh, you know, it was it was pretty good. We got, you know, we, we spent a half an hour, an hour brainstorming uh, and we came up with, you know, three or four new ideas. And like three or four, frankly, is, is, is pitiful for half an hour or an hour. It's, it's just that that sort of standard, if that's what we're used to, mm-hmm. um, is is mediocrity. And I think a lot of people have come to accept that because maybe they've never experienced anything better. They've never experienced what it could be. Um, they've never experienced coming up with hundreds of ideas uh, and, and finding real gems amongst the ones that they do generate. So you're saying three, four ideas in half an hour brainstorming you think is is sad. So what in your mind, like you're actually laughing at this. So, <laughs> That's right, yeah. so what in your mind is, you said hundreds, like is that realistic in half an hour to come up with hundreds of different ideas? Totally it is. So a uh, little exercise, maybe you want to try it. Um, you know, pick up a book or think of, you can choose your favorite. We hope you'll choose brain sprouting. Uh, but a little <laughs> exercise for you. Take one minute and come up with as many ideas as you can to to um, uh, for alternative uses for that book. Um, you know, you might use it as an umbrella in the rain, for instance, um, or a, a frisbee uh, in the summer. Uh, and and just give yourself, you know, set a timer and come up with as many ideas as you can. And um, and and you'll find that even in one short minute, you can come up with a lot of ideas, like like more than two. And maybe as many as 10 or 20 or 30, especially, you'll probably be limited. People who are really good at this um, are limited more by how fast they can write things down than, than the actual number of ideas they can come up with. Now, th- that's a simple problem to solve, admittedly, of, you know, how, what could we do with a book? But it, it sort of illustrates that when we think about quantity as the goal, you can come up with so many different ideas. And as we'll get to, I'm, I'm sure, when you choose quantity as the main target, um, you end up coming up with better ideas and significantly different ideas than you would come up with if you set out looking for a good idea to begin with. So don't try to find good ideas at first. Try to find as many as humanly possible is what you're saying is the first step. Yeah, that's right. Um we have two main thinking processes that we're really, really good at, both of them, in fact. We have the creative thinking, which is generative, and we have critical thinking, which is where we refine and judge stuff. Uh, most of our high school career ends up being about critical thinking. We make a lot of time for making analysis and comparing ideas, um, but we don't get a lot of time to practice coming up with new ideas. Um, and so what happens is when people try to do problem solving, they end up trying to combine both forces at the same time. So what tends to happen is somebody will say, we need to come up with a good idea to solve X, which is really two processes. It's coming up with the original idea, which is creativity, and it's judging that idea to be good or bad, which is critical thinking. When we separate the two processes, come up with a whole bunch of ideas at once, and then judge them later, we're end up we're going to be... Uh, more likely to come up with a solution that works best, you know. And you'll see this. It's it's funny. 
how hard it is for our brain to do both things at the same time. It's really good at being creative, really good at being critical. It's bad at doing both at the same time. And you'll see this when somebody asks, you know, who's got a good idea? The, it, anytime you ask, a, a, you know, around a boardroom table or in a classroom, you'll, you'll see people sit there in silence. I'm sure you've been part of meetings like this where somebody, you know, is looking for new ways, new ideas, whatever it is. And everyone's sitting there sort of thinking and, uh, um, well, what could we do with that? Well, maybe, ah, no, that, would, that wouldn't work. And what you see and in, in, in when you listen for it and know what to look for, you'll see people judging their own ideas before they even leave their lips. You know, they'll say, well, why don't, Oh no, that does that's probably dumb. I, I won't even bother to say it. You know, and, and and it's their own critical process overwhelming their creative process. They generated an idea. They just didn't say it. And because they didn't put it out there, it never got the chance to kind of see the light of day and, and maybe be worked on by other people or spark new ideas in other people. Right. And it ends up probably getting stuck in their brains too. You know, once once it's out of your mouth, it, you can move yeah. on to the next idea. But if you have something bouncing around in there, you know, we've all experienced it. It'll, it 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 won't go away, and you can't move on to the next possible solution. So it ends up, you know, being a a, a, a trap, really. That's really interesting. The idea that there's I never really thought of it that way. It's one of the things that really jumped out of me when I read the book. Is that very statement is that you can be creative or you can be critical. And, and sorry, you could have creative thinking, you could have critical thinking, not so much critical. There's a difference between critical mm -hmm. thinking and being critical. Totally. But you can't do them both at once. I never really thought about the differentiation between the two. And what really struck me is, uh, am I wrong in saying that we celebrate or reward critical thinking through the education system more so than creative thinking? And then later on down the road, we're like, oh, you got to be creative. But it's really critical thinking we teach. It's critical thinking we evaluate. Is, is that fair to say? I, I think so. Yeah, I would agree. It's one of the, the challenges is that, in, particularly in evaluating creative thinking, is what exactly are you supposed to evaluate? Your end product might be a bunch of garbage, to be honest. You know, when you're not saying come up with something good, you're saying come up with a lot of stuff. Um, it's, it feels uncomfortable to judge that, you know, you get an A because you came up with a whole lot of really bad ideas. Yeah, that's it. Doesn't something seems weird about that? Um, but you know, and obviously, uh, we should say also, we do sort of use creative cr thinking and critical thinking. Uh, they intermix. It's it's impossible to fully separate them. Um, but I, I think the the point is have some times where you're focusing on being generative, being creative, and some times where you're focusing on refining those ideas, um, and. And also look for ways, uh, look for opportunities to say, okay, the, the object of this step, if it's a high school project, sure, in this step, your goal is to come up with, as well as our sixth grade teacher's idea too, you have to come up with five ideas. The problem with that was five is probably too many, uh, and that wasn't actually evaluated in any way. We didn't actually have to come up with five ideas that, you know, if it had been come up with 30 or, or 100, then we might have seen, oh, yeah, okay, now I really have to work to come up with a lot. And it feels like effort. And, and it does feel like effort when you do it. You know, it, it, it you have to work at it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they, we, high schools uh, have developed a way of judging products, but it's very difficult to judge process. And so uh, even as Joel mentions, you know, a brainstorming requirement of coming up with five ideas, it's really hard to evaluate that. 
Similarly, I remember writing rough copies of essays just because I had to do them. Uh, really, I would have loved to have just written one and handed it in. Uh, instead, I had to write one and hand it in so somebody could check a box. And really, I didn't get any valuable feedback necessarily. I didn't, uh, I didn't necessarily learn that this was part of the process of making something better. It wasn't being marked. It certainly wasn't being marked. And, uh, and it, I wasn't, uh, it wasn't being used to, to develop something that's ultimately a better product, which is ultimately the aim, but, uh, but for some reason I was more concerned about the grade of the final product and, and missed the point of the intermediary creative work. Now, let's talk about, we should have stopped and I should have kicked off with this. <laughs> really, we talk about, okay, we want to talk about the value of creativity. And what the day one concept I often say to people is you got to pick a value and then you have to be able to define it. So let me ask the two of you this. You've written, you've literally written a book on, actually you haven't written a book on creativity as much as you've written a book on a process that helps people be creative. Mm -hmm. But if someone walked up to you and said, look, the word creativity doesn't exist in my language. Could you just explain it in the simplest English terms possible? Let's start there. Before we go any farther, we dive into this process that you've outlined here on how to be more creative. What the heck does creativity mean? Sure. So we like to use the definition. Uh, I think we maybe heard it first from Sir Ken Robinson. He's a great creativity expert. Uh, but creativity is the process of coming up with original ideas that have value. So we could maybe break that down a little bit and explore it. Um, so creativity, uh, first of all, is a, is a process. It's, it's not sort of just a product. It's not you know, if you have a list of 100 ideas, that's good, uh, but, but creativity is what it takes to get there, you know, and there's a lot in that process. There's tons of different roads you can take within it. Um, ideas, well, ideas are um, thoughts or maybe um, they might be things for products or, or ways of doing things. They might be uh, arrangements of things, patterns. Uh, they might be um, adjustments or twists, like small steps. Um, so ideas can be a lot of different things. Uh, the process of having original ideas. So to us, creativity isn't about having ideas that are original to the world. It's about having ideas that are original to you. You know, if, if I come up with a new way to arrange the furniture in my living room, um, somebody else might have arranged furniture in that particular way before, but I still had to use creativity to come to conceptualize how I might do that because I had never had that thought before. Mm -hmm. So um, that's a, a really big thing. I think a lot of people set the bar too high when they consider, you know, am I creative? Am I not creative? They think, well, you know, that idea is not new. Somebody's done that before, right? But you had to use creativity to come up with that idea. And just recognizing that will change how we approach uh, creativity. Uh, so where did we get to here? Uh, creativity is the process of coming up with original ideas that have value. Well, that's a, the last part, that have value. So what, what kind of an idea has value? Uh, our bottom line is this. We actually think all ideas have value, and you could kind of break it down. Either an idea has value because it solves a problem in some way, or an idea has value because it, it helps us think of new ideas that might have value 
in and of themselves. So either an idea has value in and of itself or an idea like paves the path to other ideas. I mean, maybe you've thought of how ideas happen. Have you ever thought about how ideas happen? Yeah, what causes other ideas? We can trace it back and eventually ideas are the cause of other ideas. There is no first cause kind of thing. And uh, it's kind of like a domino effect, you know, and the more ideas you have, the better you get at having them. And each idea you have, you never know what path it's going to lead you down. So ultimately, every idea that comes out of your mouth, whether it's even half-baked or whether you judge it later to be ridiculous, it will have value. Uh, so using the definition, the process of coming up with original ideas that have value makes creativity this very easy-to-access and broad-stroke kind of process that, that hopefully everybody can see themselves in uh, and kind of be reborn into their creative selves with this definition instead of... Uh, kind of rejecting the fact that they don't feel creative. A lot of a lot of people think like creativity is something that artists and hmm. painters and maybe dancers or something do. You know, it, it's sort of of the realm of the arts. That's certainly one element of of creativity, and we shouldn't diminish it. But creativity doesn't have to be so complicated. You know, every time you think of you know, well, what do I want to make for dinner tonight? You ha you come up with some idea well what do I have in the fridge well what could I do with these things you know and and that's that's being creative that's creativity in action mm -hmm. so creativity is necessarily creating some idea that's never been thought of before creativity is thinking differently than you usually think so that basically if I decide to spend some time focusing on something analytical that's actually a form of creativity for me because as a general rule I'm a big picture sort of meta thought guy. Mm -hmm. So if I decide to consciously choose to think differently and say, let's crunch the numbers here, that could actually be seen as a form of creativity because I'm simply thinking differently than I usually do. Is that a form of creativity? I would say absolutely. Me too. It's, uh, creativity is about considering new perspectives, considering new ideas, and allowing, you know, allowing yourself to refrain from judging everything that's coming to mind. So cre so you are creative. So the, the listeners out there, you are creative if you consciously choose to think differently than you normally do. And that means creativity is accessible to everyone. Absolutely, everybody. Agreed, yeah. Yeah, in fact, um, not only is it accessible to everybody, but with just a little bit of looking at the things you do on a day-to-day -day basis, you'll realize you're already creative. You yeah. already demonstrate so much creativity. You know, parents who deal with crying babies and, and have to figure out how to soothe that baby. And, you know, uh, uh, kids who, who uh, figure out when to cry to get what they want. Uh, this is, this is, all creative, you know, maybe I could try it this way. Hmm, that didn't work. What about this other thing, you know? You, you uh, can tell Joel has a young, young I son. I do. Yeah, I have like an 11-month-old <laughs> son, and we have to be very creative sometimes. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> now, now, what you've done is you've written a book about helping people with this process, this thing that is many people see as inaccessible to them, because I'm sure there's lots of people listening to this who are like, I'm not a creative person. And first of all, what do you say to people when they say that to you? Because I'm sure it happens all the time. I am not a creative person. Mm -hmm. We tell them to demonstrate. Try the, try the exercise where you take a minute and come up with alternative uses for a book. I guarantee you can come up with at least one alternative use for a book. And as soon as you've come up with one, you are creative. 
Um, so give it a shot sometime. And, and so start to see, yeah, you do have this capacity. You do it all the time. Uh, so b- start to believe. That's actually kind of the first thing. Mm. You know, brain sprouting is really, we started out believing it was a process. And it is a process. But what we've, what we've realized now is brain sprouting is, um, it's about creating great conditions for creativity. Um, and maybe we can talk about that a little bit uh, because I think that's, that's kind of the, the crux. And we've actually just got new clarity on this ourselves. So we chose the name brain sprouting as opposed to brainstorming. Um, well, firstly, because brainstorming caused a lot of cynicism in people because just like us, our, our experience wasn't particularly positive with it. But brain sprouting conjures up images of gardens and, and plants and growth. Um, maybe think of it this way. Brain sprouting is idea gardening. Just like you can't force seeds to grow, um, we can't force ideas from our, our minds, right? But a good gardener knows that with the right soil and the water and the light, uh, the, you create the right conditions, and that seed can't help but, but grow. Um, ideas are the same way. You know, if we create the right conditions, uh, people can't help but, but be creative. They, they can't help but share their ideas. People, we want to do that. That's sort of a natural state, I think, for people. So, so give me the Reader's Digest. Give us, all the listeners, the Reader's Digest condensed version of brain sprouting. So what if I said, okay, explain it to Well, I'm straight up doing that right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Take us. No, you should go out buy the book, folks, or we're going to give some away. But take us through what is brain sprouting? So you've referenced it's a process. It's about creating uh, the, the conditions. So how is someone listening here, if they wanted to engage in brain sprouting, what's the crib notes? That's, uh, yeah, that's great. There are, um, there are a number of things, and Joel's kind of identified a few of them, but we like to think of brain sprouting, as he said, as idea gardening. Uh, and the first part in having, creating the conditions for success in coming up with ideas is to recognize your own creativity. Uh, with the first chapter of the book is all about discovering the ways you are creative and accepting that. Because when you embrace it, you're now giving yourself permission to come up with more ideas. The second part is uh, we've actually looked up when we started, you know, trying to, to come up with ideas way back in the beginning with the Beanstalk Project. We looked up brainstorming online uh, because we, we wanted to give this process that we were both cynical about a second chance. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and we ended up discovering these four guidelines, these four rules to brainstorming that we'd never, ever heard about. No, no teacher had ever told us about rules before. Or, yeah, like there were rules to this game. It, it suddenly became more fun somehow how, uh, which maybe seems a bit backwards, but, but anyhow, uh, so we have four core guidelines that we talk about, and, and when we outline these guidelines with groups of people, uh, they become really helpful in, in clarifying the goal of the session and in helping people to generate tons and tons of ideas. Uh, so maybe I can go over the four guidelines. The first one is uh, the goal of the session is quantity, not quality. Quantity not quality. Again, if uh, we like to tell a story of if you were going to catch a big fish, you'd want to go to a pond with a lot of fish in it. Uh, brain sprouting or coming up with ideas is the process of filling the pond so that later on when you're going to choose a fish or an idea, you have lots to choose from. So quantity, not quality is the first one. The second one, we, uh, well, maybe I can jump in here. Anybody know what the uh, most cited uh, common fear 
is. The, the, the biggest fear, number one fear, as reported by people, uh, Drew maybe knows this, it is the fear of public speaking. Yeah, and um, we think that there's actually a deeper fear beyond that. People say public speaking, but the real fear is the fear of judgment and fear of rejection in, in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and rule number two, guideline number two, is no judging. So the way we, we encourage people to, to share a lot of ideas is by creating a space where there's no judging allowed. Um, you, you, we're going to judge later, you know, that's when we, we bring back in the, the critical eye, but we don't want to do it yet. So anything goes, you know, um, every, every idea is worthy in, in this setting um, and, and no judging. Judging often comes in, in in subtle ways. You know, people will say, that we tried that before. You know, that's a judgment. Uh, it, it'll sound like, oh, well, we don't have enough money for that. That's a judgment. Um, anything that sort of blocks up, you know, somebody will say, um, oh, but how would you really... You know, but but would that actually, you know, whatever whatever it is, all those things, they're they're our own mental barriers. They're our own things saying, no, that probably wouldn't work. That's a dumb idea. What it really is is just us saying, I can't see yet how it would work. But that's a judgment, and we we take those out until the end. So so create as much as humanly possible. Yeah. And the way you do it is because no matter what gets suggested, you're not allowed to evaluate it. That's right. So tons. And no evaluation for any reason, way, shape, even if it's the stupidest thing ever. Totally. Okay, so no evaluation of it. Okay, totally. so that's those are the first two. Quantity, not quality, no judging. Okay. And, and some, some listeners may be saying, well, it, what if I'm judging ideas to be good ideas too? And, and of mm-hmm. course, you can't separate, you can't fully remove judgment. We're going to do that. But we like to say the, the goal is to make a space that's safe. Uh, because people fear being rejected, so it's much better to lean on the side of every idea is the best idea than it is to go the other way and start rejecting the things that instinctively don't quite feel like they're going to make the cut later on. And if, and if you're the person running the session, like if you're trying to generate a bunch of ideas, it, like are you the judgment police? Like is it like is, or is it yeah. somebody like yeah, basically is, like I, do you have to constantly be like like no. smacking people at first? And, and do they start? <laughs> do they start to learn? They do start to learn. We stopped smacking people after the last session, but <laughs> <laughs> so we we decided uh, actually because when we facilitate a session, we're, we have a good eye for this, and and anybody who practices will develop a good eye for it. But we started um, helping people, realizing we couldn't be everywhere. So we we said let's create the no judging police force, and we we have everyone certified as no judging police, which basically means everyone's on the lookout. Uh, for for judging and and if they kind of in a silly way um, draw attention to the you're judging and they say no judging like that or no judging or in a silly voice uh, they can um, and and it's ridiculous and it makes everyone laugh and we make sure that they also point at themselves when they say that and say no judging to to me because uh, we're usually our own biggest critics through this so it's it's really helpful and what we found is that. You know, we'll share. I haven't forgotten. We'll get to the other two guidelines. But um, even though these things might seem, they're probably not obvious to people, but they might seem kind of basic and elemental. But what we found is that great brainstorming facilitators take the time to remind people of these basic things before you start. And it, it really makes a difference. You know, we had somebody say, it's kind of like the difference when you bring people into a meeting, you always say, well, welcome everybody. You know, you, you don't, you don't just start right into the agenda. You say, 
hi, everybody. How are you doing? Welcome. I'm glad you could make it. It's, it's sort of, it makes a difference in how people respond. And by framing the session with the appropriate guidelines, it reminds everybody so that they're just at the front of their, their mind when, when you're actually carrying out the process. What's interesting, too, is that uh, I'm a huge fan of Len, uh, Patrick Lencioni's work, mm. and he talks about the importance of mutual accountability. So it sounds like what you're also saying there is, and of course, we're talking about creativity in, in brain sprouting is the idea of generating ideas using groups, although we'll talk a little bit later about whether you can still apply these ideas on an individual level. And, and mm -hmm. it seems to me like you could, totally. even mm -hmm. though you'd be talking to yourself. But I, I've found myself doing that too. Like, no, no, don't, don't judge that now. <laughs> but the idea of empowering everybody in the group to say, look, there's no judging and it's all of our job to enforce that. It's all of our job to not slow down our process of generation ideas by deciding whether they're any good at the time. So you've got ton, create tons of ideas. So tell the group, we're going to create tons of ideas and we're not allowed to judge them no matter how ridiculous they are. That's, That's right. right. Okay, what else we got? Guideline number three. Silly is good. Uh, silly is good is about thinking in different ways. As you mentioned before, Drew, it's uh, a lot of times we approach problems from the same direction every time. And, and sometimes it's frustrating when we don't come up with solutions. Um, being intentionally silly helps us actually jump tracks or jump you know, neural pathways in our brains to create a new potential pathway. Um, so much like Joel was talking earlier about how all, all ideas have value. Um, if they're not good in themselves, they lead to other ideas that may be good at solving the problem at hand. I'll give you a very simple example. You might say, so we work a lot in schools, and you might say, well, how could we improve this classroom? And I might throw out a silly idea like, well, let's rip the roof off the classroom. You might say, that's ridiculous. It would get wet when it's raining. You know, this is a terrible idea. Uh, I would say, no judging, first of all. But then, I, <laughs> then I'd say, well, but I like the idea of there being more light in this classroom. You know, that would be really nice, I think. And so, well, okay, what are some other ways? Maybe you, you, you have an idea, well, what if we put some windows in or a skylight? Or maybe we could take the class outside for the afternoon. Well, it's a nice day. And now we're thinking, oh, God, those, are, oh, those are actually great ideas. That, that's much more realistic, much more reasonable. And we're still not judging the ideas yet. But the point is this. We weren't thinking about windows or skylights or taking the class outside until I said something goofy like, let's rip the roof off the building. Ideas that are silly help us especially because they, break, they help us break out of our own patterns of thinking and, and think about stuff that we, we wouldn't otherwise have thought. Mm -hmm. uh, it's interesting because I used to, I just remembering this now, I used to do a workshop on event planning. Mm. And I would actually say that, that one of the great things that leaders need to be able to do is to be the one who's willing to say something dumb. Mm. Because I remember once we were trying to figure out who the entertainment would be at some party. And, and like we were bogged down and fighting and it was getting tense. And I remember just being like, well, we could get the Beatles, which is an idiotic <laughs> thing, right? Uh, how we once tried to book Stan Rogers for an event. Turns out he's been dead for 10 years. But, like, <laughs> but it's amazing that when you are the leader and you're willing to, in front of a group, say something idiotic, I couldn't believe how often the next thing that came out of people's mouth was, but you know what we could do? Mm -hmm. So it's, it's exactly. interesting that, that the idea that saying something ridiculous can actually lead to something else. Same with like trying to do the opposite like, of a problem. Someone once told me that yeah. one of the great ways to be creative is to suggest something that would probably make it worth like how, how do we make people not buy this product mm -hmm. and they said well yeah. get a really tacky spokesperson who like hasn't been popular in 20 years and then they're like actually that's not a terrible idea that's so right. yeah. it, it's like 
oh, Mr. T would be great because all of a sudden he's on World of Warcraft because that may have been the same sort of idea. So yeah, it, yeah. stupid makes you smarter in some ways. Mm-hmm, totally. Mm-hmm. And the other benefit that, that this has is that it keeps the atmosphere really light and silly and ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And it, it just keeps everyone... I mean, what a great way to demonstrate that you're not judging when you're willing to say... Uh, I think, you know, let's rip the roof off or let's tear up this or, you know, let's get the Beatles. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that that's saying, you know, yeah, I'm not judging this. Like, obviously, this isn't going to work. I'm just saying it because that's what that's what we're doing right now. That's the game we're playing. We're coming up with a lot of ideas. Mm-hmm. And, and so that's that's the thing. Uh, silly is good helps us jump out of old patterns and get on a new set of train tracks. OK, so tons of ideas. No judging them. And silly is good. Totally. And. Was there, sorry, there was four, right? Ready for number okay. four. Okay. Piggybacking. More than just a fun physical exercise for almost all ages. That's right. Yep. So piggybacking is, uh, piggybacking is about building on other people's ideas. Um, if, if being silly helps us jump onto a new set of train tracks, um, piggybacking helps us go farther down that set of tracks. A really simple way to think about it is uh, how could you change one little idea, one little aspect of an idea of somebody else's? Um, In a way, it's sort of, you know, letting that word association flow, letting the dominoes topple as they do, Uh, and just being conscious of that and, and using that. So we might say, okay, take something simple like a door. You know, how could we improve a door? Well, we could do lots of things. We might make the door bigger. We might make it smaller, depending on what we want. We could put a big window in it. Maybe we could make the whole door out of glass. Mm. We could make the door out of metal or out of wood. Scratch and sniff. Scra- a scratch and sniff door. Mm-hmm. We could make the door out of um, beads. Mm. Uh, we could make the door out of... Um, feathers. Feathers. <laughs> no <laughs> judging. judging. <laughs> uh, we could make the door... Um, we could we could remove the door altogether. Oh. We could uh, make it those cool saloon doors that are double swinging doors. That would be awesome. Okay, so what did we just do? We just came up with like ten ways to improve a door just by changing one little thing. And we could we could go again from there. We could say, okay, what else could we do with the door? You know, or or what could we do to the room? Maybe maybe we could go in a different direction. What else could we make out of beads or out of feathers? Um, we could our, our brains might run in a hundred different directions. Piggybacking is really about letting your brain carry out its course because you never know where you'll find yourself afterwards. Mm-hmm. A lot of this coming up with ideas is is about having fun and building momentum, uh, and and so. We emphasize the last two. Silly is good, not just because it helps us think differently, but because it's a lot of fun and it unifies the group. Uh, similarly, there's going to be times when you're coming up with ideas and you hit a rut. You hit, you get stuck in, totally. in some other idea. Um, so employing piggybacking and just remember the aim is to come up with lots. Let's take this last idea and turn it into 20 more. Uh, it helps keep momentum going until we can get back onto a different track and, and continue to be divergent, you know, to come up with different stuff. So, so brain sprouting is different than brainstorming in that instead of just saying, let's come up with a bunch of ideas, it is laying out a framework to do so and saying, okay, you're going to come up with ideas to solve this problem or come up with an idea, whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. And so the challenge is come up with as many as possible, as quickly as possible by not judging them, not 
thinking about whether they're valid or not Correct. Uh, by being open to and in fact conscious about making sure that some of the suggestions you make are idiotic totally <laughs> and <right>. then <laughs> By making sure that anytime you hear an idea, that you try to branch off it in, in as many ways as possible. Yeah. So, so let me ask you this. Does it have to be done in groups of people? Because I'm sure there are some people here being like, look, yeah, we do some brainstorming in my job. But like most of my creativity, I need like the boss comes to me or, you know, I'm, I'm facing a problem in my life and I got to figure out a way. Can, mm-hmm. Like, can you do it? alone like how do you piggyback alone Uh, how do you make yourself be silly alone are you saying like when you got to solve a problem just sit down and be like okay tons of ideas not allowed to judge them i'm they're going to be stupid and i'm going to piggyback off the ones i come up with do you like do you do it solo yeah absolutely yeah yeah and it's the only weird thing about it is that you piggyback off your own ideas everything else is is the same, actually. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You you create a space. You set aside a short block of time. Uh, typically, we find like five to twelve minutes is sufficient for a for a great ideation session. Um, and and you say, okay, I'm going to do these things. I'm going to consciously do these things. Um, and uh, there's interesting research that shows um, that brainstorming um, is most effective as an individual. Which is counterintuitive. I would have thought that you know when you've got a lot of people contributing all their ideas, that you end up getting way more and way way more unique ideas. But it, it turns out the research says the opposite is true. That individuals, um, on their own, when you say you know come up with as many uses as you can for a paperclip or something, uh, individuals generate more ideas and more unique ideas than they would. Now the thinking around this um, is that in a group, there will always be some fear of judging, some fear of judgment. And and there's also in a group a tendency to freeload and wait for other people to spit out their ideas. So if you've got a time limit, you know, you, you'll kind of sit back and let other people run with the ball a little bit. Um, but individually, it's it's you. Your list is up to you. So we think there's probably a balance here, actually, because we we know what the research says, but we often find that we brainstorm better together than we do individually. And I think there's probably some benefit of cross-pollination of ideas, you totally. know, different perspectives that get included. It turns out there are ways to do this um, as an individual. There are some tools you can, you can employ uh, to get that cross-pollination and to get that kind of random element that you might get with groups. Um, even when you're doing it on your own. And maybe we can go back to, that's kind of leads us into what the next bit of brain sprouting is about. Because brain sprouting is really about creating the, the great conditions for creativity to emerge. And so what we've talked about is a self-belief. And then you've got these four guidelines, which are actually the four guidelines for those of you who uh, have looked up brainstorming before. They're the original four guidelines of brainstorming. Uh, so that, that part's not really unique. What is unique is making sure that that we actually share those with the group and making sure that they're enforced uh, in a way, ensuring that the conditions are just right. Those, those core guidelines are, are the kind of what we think of as the core foundation, the core guidelines for, for brain sprouting. The, the next piece of the puzzle is that great, um, great facilitators have tools, 
I have a handyman who I call, and when I, you know, I can I can fix a few things around my house. I'm a little bit handy. I know how to use a hammer, for instance. Um, but I don't. <laughs> Let's come up with a bunch of ways <laughs> to right. use a hammer. <laughs> all right, ways to use a hammer. Well, it turns out, you know, when I have something I, I can't do on my own, I call Murray, my handyman, and Murray comes and he shows up, and he's got a whole van full of tools, gadgets, gadgets, and gizmos. I don't know what they are, but he does, and he's the handyman, and that's why I call Murray. Because he knows just the right tool to use for the right job. And, uh, and you might think this is a little thing, but actually there's something universal about this. Um, a, an expert often has a whole toolbox full of tools, and they know just what tools to use at the right time. And so brain sprouting, uh, an element that you can use to, to make yourself a better brain sprouter, is arm yourself with a whole toolbox full of creative tools. Um, tools for the creative facilitator. You can use them individually. You can use them with your teams, with your groups. Uh, maybe, I don't know, you want to share a few of them, a, a few kind of, to, just to give you a flavor, what do we mean by creative tools? Um, yeah, sure. So uh, the, I think you asked about uh, whether we could do, we could practice brain sprouting as an individual or do it in groups. And there's something, we always start with groups uh, because it's a great way to learn the process and to kind of, you know, inch your way into to becoming familiar with it. Um, it also has a great community building effect. And, uh, and so what we'll do typically with a group before we get into a, a serious brain sprout is we will, we will practice being silly as a means of making the community safe for everybody. Uh, so we came up with a game. We call it, uh, we call it Banana Chair because the first time we played it, we asked for a random food group uh, or a random food and a random object, and both things said banana were chair. banana chair. Yeah. Oh. Um, and so what we did is say, hey, let's come up with a bunch of ideas uh, that combine a banana and a chair, and we'll just shout them out around the room. And and Joel and I participated as facilitators uh, to kind of demonstrate how to engage in the process. And then anybody else around the room can jump in, you know, as they wish. And, uh, and it's kind of like a warm up that enables the whole group to get comfortable with each other and, and to get used to coming up with ridiculous stuff and, and recognize that it's okay to do so. A know? banana that looks like a chair, you know, a chair that looks like a banana, uh, a, a banana that tastes like a chair, it, yeah. <laughs> a chair that peels. That, ooh. Yeah. 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 There so, you go. You throw out these things, and it, it only takes two or three minutes. And all of a sudden, people have thrown out, you know, 30 ideas. And, and people get, oh, I see. Like, this is what you mean by being silly. Or mm. we'll demonstrate during that time that we'll say something that's sort of half-baked as an idea. We'll, you know, we'll trail off or we'll, we'll say something really dumb to try to demonstrate <laughs> uh, not just our own intelligence level, uh, but uh, to try to demonstrate this is great to say this stuff. This is the, this is the game we're playing right now. This mm -hmm. is the process. So that's a, that's a great example. Banana chair is one example. Another one, maybe a more serious one, uh, as a, a tool that a, a creativity facilitator might have, you could do an exercise. We call it changing lenses, where... This is a, uh, an exercise where you intentionally take on the perspective of something different, of someone different, perhaps. Uh, it works well with occupations, for instance. So you might think, um, like, how would a lawyer solve this problem? How would, a, how would a bartender solve this problem? How would a football player solve this problem, you know? And you, you start to kind of put on these metaphorical hats, um, and 
it's really amazing how that changes what you might think about the, the problem to be or, or how you might approach it. Mm-hmm. So that's a tool that the, the facilitator, or really even if you're not the facilitator, if you're, if you're a participant in a session, you could drop a, a creative tool like this at the right time when the group needs a little boost. Ah, how, how might we think of this differently? Um, and, uh, and you can kind of reinfuse energy into the group um, and, and maybe restart the creative engine if it's stalled out, or you can maybe focus it and, and come up with an even broader array of ideas. And I, and I guess you could do it on your own, too, totally. if you were, you're struggling with, like anyone listening right now struggling with a problem they have to solve, be as goofy as saying, okay, well, how would the head of the Dallas Cowboys cheerleader approach this problem absolutely and, yeah. okay so that's an interesting so, like, like you have to consciously reach into this toolbox and grab it out mm-hmm. so not only for those people who might be leading groups here but just individuals who are struggling with whatever sure. their their challenge in life is mm-hmm. like produce a bunch of ideas make sure that you're not judging them be silly and and bow, and when you come up with one try to come up with three things that bounce off of it and you might have to warm up to do that and and one way of or just approach things with Okay, how would whether it's a firefighter that's quasi serious? How would my boss do this? How would the person who had this job before me? How would a person in ten years? Mm-hmm. How would a five year like a, a version of myself five years from now? Oh yeah. Or, or how would the version of myself ten years ago solve this problem? Oh, so it's yeah. it's about switching. That's a really yeah. interesting tool to potentially use. Like how would how would my best friend approach? Like I was joking mm-hmm. with you guys when I I said uh, I've had people say to me. Well, if this problem you're dealing with, Drew, if I brought it to you, what would you say back? And yeah. I'm always like, just shut up, all right? Because <laughs> I, I don't want to deal with that. Okay, that's interesting. So banana chair is if you're facilitating, you're trying to get people used to the idea of stupid ideas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Changing lenses you can use in a group mm-hmm. uh, or even on your own to, to just sort of break yourself out of a rut. Mm-hmm. What, what other yeah. kind of tools? A great individual one uh, and group one is to, uh, is to do two things. Change your physical position when coming up with ideas. So we're used to sitting at a desk typically hunched over. We will think in a certain way uh, when we're in that position. Simply by standing up, lying down, standing on one foot, going into a headstand, whatever it is you can do, you'll come up with different ideas because you've changed your position. Getting it's really, drunk. It's, it's, <laughs> sure, <laughs> sure. A, whatever suits your fancy. That you is know? a bad idea. Folks. <laughs> Falling over, lying yeah, down, yeah. right? <laughs> Sleeping. Right. That's right. But. You know, but you probably have experienced this before yourself. Mm-hmm. Everybody I've talked to, um, at least some nights, just as you're lying down to go to bed, you come up with something. Your brain thinks of something different that you hadn't thought of before. You're like, oh, that's what I could do with that thing, you know? Or um, uh, maybe, you know, uh, that, that, that's, that's our brain thinks differently in different positions. Mm-hmm. Um, and it turns out even using different tools, you know, um, different pens or pencils. Uh, you have different ideas when you use a crayon than when, when you use a, a, a chalkboard. I have a buddy of mine that whenever he gets stuck, cooks bacon. Because he's like, the smell is such a powerful trigger of the oh, brain yeah. that he's sure. like, I swear to God, when I smell bacon cooking, I come up with better ideas. When I'm trying to write a new speech, I will, uh, this is a weird thing to admit, but when I'm trying to write a brand new speech, like the last TED Talk I did, I honestly showered, I think, one day seven times because I have good ideas in the shower. Totally. And I, honest to God, would like pace back and forth. Mm-hmm. And then would get in the shower again, and totally. so uh, I think I see what you're saying. I, but I never thought of it as as creativity. I thought I always kind of thought I was just 
bored or <laughs> like was stuck. And, and so yeah. that's interesting. It's funny. So one other tool is harnessing the power of the subconscious. So a, a really excellent way to solve problems is to work really hard on solving the problem, to get stuck, and then to take a break. And when you let your brain just rest gently against this problem, you know, you go for a walk, you maybe you uh, do a little reading, um, you maybe uh, do a crossword puzzle or something like that. All of a sudden, you'll be sitting there, and lo and behold, this solution pops into your mind. What causes it? Who knows? Well, some of the research suggests that your brain always, um, it doesn't like unfinished things. So a, a part of your brain is kind of always chipping away at this problem and looking for connections, looking for anything it can, can find mm-hmm. um, to, to solve that problem. So that's, a, that's a, a really good tool, actually. We should probably note that uh, going on the computer is typically not a good approach to taking breaks, if you're trying to solve a, a problem, that is. Apparently, uh, the preliminary research seems to show that the computer takes too much of your attention. Uh, and you know, so you start clicking around on Facebook or scrolling through Instagram, and it takes too much of your brain away. It, it's like so good at engaging your mind that you end up not working on the original problem. And I know I felt like this Sometimes, you know, you start scrolling through one thing, and then it's two hours later, and you yeah. wonder, what, what just happened? Short breaks are the way to go, not uh, with electronics, ideally. Um, get outside, move around, change your position, get, get in the shower, sit on the toilet if you want. A lot of people have great ideas on the toilet. Joel has great ideas on the toilet. I, throw, I do. Throw a wall against a wall, the Toby, yeah, the yeah. Toby Ziegler of the West Wing. It, right. it, I'm reminded of a, a scene in Bull Durham, my favorite movie of all time. I've seen it like 55 times. Where in order to, this is an odd thing, I guess, but that's the whole point of the podcast, is that, like, she has him wear garters while he's pitching. Like, it's the professional pitcher, they're like, wear garters because you're paying way too much attention. And if you're wearing these, you'll be in your back, you might be like, why am I wearing garters? And you won't really pay attention. So maybe, I'm not suggesting out there you want to solve a problem, throw some garters on, ladies and gentlemen. But but that whole idea of, of, of knock your brain slightly off. Mm-hmm. is a way right. of, of going after things, yeah. which is weird because we think taking time away from the problem is slacking or being lazy. Mm-hmm. But what you're saying is that it's an essential part of creativity is not to go after it headlong, right. but in some ways, to like what you said, gently lean against it instead of banging your head against it. That's yeah. right. And it's important that to not be misconstrued because some people have said, I've been working on this problem for days, uh, just kind of hoping my brain will come up with it. And and maybe that's more of the classical uh, image of creativity is the the eureka moment. You know, I didn't have right. to do any effort, Aha. and it just came to me. Uh, so be careful that that you use the power of the subconscious after you've put some time and effort into coming up with as many ideas as you can. That's when it's most effective. Yeah, this yeah. is great. A I'm lot of these people, tools. Uh, yeah, a lot of people. You, you'll even hear a lot of people think creativity is sort of a passive thing, mm-hmm. that it just sort of comes to you, you know? And you'll even hear it in the language that people use. They'll say, you know, I was just sitting there, and then it hit me, mm-hmm. right? Like, it hit me, as, as in, you know, the idea was doing the work, and I was just sort of observing it. Um, but, but I don't think that's the way it works. Um, it, it's, it's much more common that we work really hard at something, and then... Our, when when that idea emerges, it's it's because of the work that we've put in. That's right. Yep. All right. So we've got uh, we, we've been working our way through brain sprouting here. It's Basically, weird because yeah. like, there's these subsections. So it's 
It's you talked about the rules to start with, uh, yes, laying them out. You talked about these tools that you can use partway through. What else have we got? So maybe the fourth um, element. We got the belief, the guidelines, the tools, and the fourth element. Uh, we like to think of it as like the physical space itself. So this is a kind of a nice thought, especially for people who you know like quick wins, mm-hmm. um, because. It turns out that the the physical space that we're in, what what we're looking at and what's around us can have some effect on the ideas that we generate. So there are lots of things that that it could that that could affect what we think about, but a few examples are things like um, modern art. Modern art, we don't mean to be technical with some, you know, year-to-year period, but pattern-breaking art um, is anything that that when you look at this pattern, um, it turns out you kind of glance at it. You might not even be aware that you've seen it. You know, when people research this, a lot of the research participants weren't actually conscious that they had seen any art um, at all. Uh, but it was just on the wall in front of the desk where they were doing their, their ideation. And, um, and they came up with more ideas than the people who didn't have the art on the wall or who had kind of regular art on the wall without any pattern breaking stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, that may even look like, you know, taking a chair and, and putting it on its side uh, and, and then coming up with ideas around that weird, o- an object that's not in place. It seems like it's, it's breaking the pattern of the norm. Um, because what that does is it, it kind of gives our, our subconscious mind access to to seek ideas outside the norm as well, which it's kind of cool. So yeah. stick some abstract art around or turn the photographs or something on the wall upside down Absolutely. before people totally. start going? Yeah, okay. even though the research subjects didn't always know that they had seen art, mm-hmm. once we know that it has the effect, we can use the effect to our advantage. We can kind of hack our space. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and, and so another thing, for instance, the color green tends to be a good color. When you when you look at the color green, that's you come up with more creative ideas than when you you look at the color red. And nobody under nobody really understands why this is. Um, but the research shows that it, it works. Mm-hmm. So if you have a, a you know choice in colors to look at, choose the color green. It may be evolutionary, you know. And green is natural and organic and and peaceful mm-hmm. and where red is signifies blood and urgency and and emergency Mm -hmm. uh you know so activating different parts of the brain maybe who knows so so when you want to be creative find yourself a green room that's right absolutely that's right uh uh, having a plant uh on your desk or in the room or you know somewhere where you glance at it a live plant uh weirdly um videos of live plants don't seem to have the same effect so this is really weird. We don't, they don't really understand why it is, but having a plant, a real live plant, uh, makes a difference to your creativity. Uh, another weird one is high ceilings seem to have an impact. They call this the cathedral effect, um, where you've got, you know, if, if you're in kind of a, think like basement apartment when I, where I lived in university, uh, really low ceilings, you know, and as it turns out, that's not a very good uh, sanctuary hmm. for for creativity. Much better to go into a large open room. Um, and, and, I mean, you can probably imagine in your own experiences, there are some places that just feel more inspiring. Mm-hmm. I think regardless of, of anyone's religious affiliations, when you walk into a cathedral, um, it really is. It's a it's an inspiring place to be a lot of the time. You know, mm-hmm. the, the, everything is grandiose and there's possibility in the air, it seems. Mm. Yeah. Uh, and 
and lots of rooms. You don't need a cathedral to do this. It turns out high ceilings are, are better. So next time you're in a hut, you know, a small hut, and you're told to have a lot of ideas, um, go outside. You'll have more <laughs> ideas outside. As all of those moments where we're like, oh, I hate it when I'm in a hut. That's right. And I have to, and I I have to come to up with come ideas. Up with a lot of ideas. And it turns out actually going outside is probably one of the best places that, that you can uh, you can go. Uh, you need the right level of noise, not too loud, not too quiet, uh, but the right level of noise works. That's why coffee shops are common places for having ideas. Um, outside has some good ambient noise, uh, not too loud, not too quiet. It's got lots of green things depending on where you live. Uh, hopefully it's there's some nature around. The ceilings are sky high, so to speak, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, and you, you know there's lots often of plants. Yeah, there's plants. There's all sort all the conditions. Um, it turns out outside is uh, a pretty good place to have ideas. It maybe says more about the human condition than we realize, but mm-hmm. at least for having ideas, going outside uh, is, is a good thing to do. It's probably a good, a good thing to do for many reasons, mm-hmm. um, but, uh, but especially for creativity. So, so creativity as a leadership talent or as a value, it's not just something you're born with and you have or you don't. What you're saying, and, and what really the book Brain Spouting is about, what your approach is all about, is recognizing that it is a learned process. And I'm sure, like anything, like I can learn how to play baseball. Now, naturally, some people are going to be born with the natural ability to throw a 95-mile-per-hour fastball. Mm-hmm. I don't. Mm-hmm. But you can still learn how to throw a baseball. So creativity is in, in many ways the same way, is that for those people who are saying, oh, that's just not part of my identity, that one, you believe in it, mm-hmm. two... You you follow the follow essential these rules, yeah. these essential four guidelines, which are lots, you know, lots, no judging, silly is good, and piggyback. Mm-hmm. And then the third piece is make sure that you identify and develop tools yep. that you need for when you need to, whether it's changing lenses, whether it's if you're working with a group, things like you know, pick a food group and a, a product and go together. Yep. We, we talked about many. And then random object list is another tool you might use to respark the creative engine. There's lots of them out there. Uh, we've outlined some in the book, some yeah. of our favorites. But yeah, okay, so we got the tools. And lastly, put yourself in the right space. space. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and probably if you were, I mean, sometimes people have asked, which is most important? Well, we, we probably think uh, the self-belief is number one, just recognizing that you are creative. Mm-hmm. Um, probably the guidelines are number two. Um, the tools are sort of like an add-on, and then the space will give you a little bit of a bonus. Um, but So if you have to focus on something, focus on, on the belief. But if you don't have time or you can't, I mean, you can't control other people's self-beliefs, so go ahead and learn the tools and uh, uh, you know, choose the right room for, for generating ideas. Mm-hmm. Uh, you'll see different results from your teams. So let's, one of the things I love asking on the podcast is this idea that in order to, to, to embody a value, whatever the value you choose, is you got to choose to do it every day. And that's what I really like is what you're saying is creativity is a, a choice that you make. It's, it's not just a skill you're born with. So I always do by asking for questions. Hmm. So, so Brandon, I'll start with you. Sure. So uh, a question, a question that... If you asked it to, if you wanted to make sure you were embodying the value of creativity every day, make sure you you you, you ask yourself and answer this every day. What what question would you would you pick? Uh, with uh, with some prior thought, I, I came up with uh, how did I explore possibilities today, which is uh, kind of a, a simple question. But at the end of the day, if I ask it, 
it forces me to look back and see the areas where I've considered options I might not have considered. Um, it's not so much about committing to ideas as it is about, you know, exploring ideas that that uh, could fit or might not fit. Um, yeah. I love that. Idea. Like, question. Just making sure by the end of every day you've, you've explored, like, and I like how you just differentiated between not having to act on it, mm-hmm. but actually just making sure by the end of every day you thought about something possible because we get grounded in reality, right? And, re- mm-hmm. and I had a friend of mine once say that reality is the refuge for the unimaginative, mm-hmm. but we do really kind of do get locked into reality. And I think that's what scares us, the, mm-hmm. the, the, the fact that we don't necessarily think about possibilities. So how did I, sorry, what was the question was, what did I do today? How, how did I explore possibilities today? Okay, how did I explore possibilities today? Mm-hmm. And, good. and Joel, my good man, if, if you wanted to make sure every day that you're, you're flexing some of your creative muscle, what question would you go with? Yeah, so also with some prior thought, I came up with uh, what have I done today to create my own life? And and the reason I, I went kind of that direction is to me, kind of the benefit of, of creativity, there are so many benefits. Uh, you, you know, you're a better problem solver, life is more fun, you're more resilient. Um, there's so many great benefits, but one of the, the biggest impacts that we, we get is that we realize that our destiny, our, our whatever that word means, our, our lives, our, our life path is really in our own hands. Um, not everything, obviously, but we have so much more control than so many people realize. And creativity is, is really about recognizing, okay, what options do I have? And which direction do I choose to go? It, mm-hmm. it, it takes us away from being a victim of our circumstances. And it says in each moment, what, what choices do I have here? What possibilities, to use Brandon's word, do I have? And, and which direction am I going to go? And when we take ownership like that of our choices, um, to me, that, that's that creative spirit is embodied. How did I, what direction do I want to choose? What have I considered? What are my possibilities and what direction did I, did I choose to, to follow? What have I done today to create my life? It could, could be in so many different aspects of, of what life is, you know, my relationships, my, my time use, my hobbies, my interests, my learning, um, my impact, you know, what have I done that, that really um, that has allowed me to flex those creative muscles? It's interesting because that jumped off the page at me at the very end of the book. Mm. Perhaps the biggest role creativity has to play is its capacity to create a sense of agency in those who practice it. Mm-hmm. And that really, and it's weird because I was going to, that was my last question, but you re- kind of addressed it in your question that you'd pose every day mm-hmm. is that creativity when you embrace the fact that you can be creative what you have to do is recognize that you are not necessarily a victim of your circumstance and right. and that's i think a really important thing to come to grips with because like you know what does le- what does creativity have to do with leadership that's right well it's about generating options right mm-hmm. it totally is it's about uh considering possibilities finding new directions um taking ownership feeling empowered Hmm. Um, I think also uh, it's it's about being dissatisfied with the way things are and asking how might things be better. How, you know what what could be 
right now, mm-hmm. not just what is this, you know, going this reality thing. And this is where you know we might say, well, okay, this isn't a new idea for the world, but it's a new idea for me. And and maybe some ideas, we obviously some ideas are new to the world. Um, this is a good thing. We need new ideas for the world because, well, the world has a lot of problems right now. You know, it's fine that we're getting along, mo- most of us, and and it's fine. But good enough isn't the goal I want to shoot for. It's not the goal we want to shoot for. Mm-hmm. And, and 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 good enough won't be good enough for long. I think we have to we have to find some way. We have to create some way to to create a better world. And, and we each have a role to play in that. We no no individual could do this alone. Uh, mm-hmm. It's only when a whole bunch of individuals are empowered to create the change that they want, to create the lives that they want. That's when we'll start to see the type of world that I think everyone wants. Mm -hmm. It's amazing how many people describe feeling stuck. Uh, You mentioned stuck in reality, but even, you know, stuck in a place they don't want to be or in a job they're not happy with or with friends they don't necessarily love spending time with. You know, they, they build habits and ways of thinking and ways of being. Uh, that become so restrictive and and put limits on themselves and 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 after enough time we convince ourselves that this is the only way it could have been. Um, practicing creativity regularly helps us break free of that and and sort of take control so that we can, as Joel said, you know, create the lives we want to live. We I, I want to go back to the the thing you said, Drew, about um, creativity being a skill. It's so true. It's a skill. In fact, the research on talent, for those of you who maybe have read the, the talent code or uh, talent is overrated, all the research says that if natural ability, natural ability does exist in things, it turns out it doesn't matter much. You know, by the time people get to kind of that mid-childhood age, they've, they've sort of left that natural talent behind or they've capitalized upon it. And those who didn't have any to begin with, if they've been trained into that talent, they, they end up excelling even over the people who, who had the natural, quote, talent to begin with. Creativity is a skill like any other. It can be practiced. It can be improved. If there's natural ability that some have, it probably doesn't matter that much. What's way more important is your willingness to come back to it over and over again to try, okay, what have I done today? How, how, maybe it's how I, how did I generate options today? How did I consider possibilities today? How did I show my control of the situation today mm-hmm. of my life today? Um, and when we start to think like that, that too becomes a habit. Our skills get developed. Uh, and, and that's maybe one of the things that, that I'd love to leave people with is sort of practice, 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 try it in different ways. We actually have an app that we made to help people practice. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's called creative start and it's got a hundred free five minute activities. We made it especially with teachers and meeting, pl- meeting organizers in mind, anybody who needs icebreakers, minds on type activities. Um, so creative start app.com, uh, it's just for iPhone at this point. We hope that we'll, uh, <laughs> you'll keep in touch and, and, uh, get it for Android when it comes out. Um, yeah, it's good for individuals too. Uh, anybody there who's interested in trying trying this stuff out, um, it, you can download the app, and there's a bunch of quick quick things you can try right away to, to flex the creative muscle. Yeah, totally. I, I like that too. Is, is the idea that uh, well, creativity. If you don't like the way things are, it's all that's what you need in order to say, well, what else is possible? Because it's it's when you 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 create a new possibility is 
or when you create lots of new possibilities and then you throw out 98% of them. But when you find the 2% that gets you excited, you become a little bit more likely to start making changes to, to move towards that. And I think leadership is, that's a big part of it. Like leadership is about identifying new possibilities mm-hmm. and then about the disciplined disciplined behaviors every single day on day one Mm -hmm. as it is like figure out if you want a new possibility what do you do on day one to start moving you towards it and and you're talking about creating a better world you can hear in the background like the reason you want one like (laughs) like the little guy malcolm as you could probably hear in the background my wife and son just came home yeah as is that's you know we're creating possibilities and they're going to piggyback ours Mm -hmm. and so you know what, what what new things are we creating yeah, it's it's really exciting, you know. Um, I think <laughs> there he is, right there. Yeah. I think um, w- when we look at, I mean, everybody knows there are there are big problems in the world, um, and we need people who feel capable and confident to solve those problems. Mm-hmm. Um, and and everybody, regardless of your income or status or whatever, I don't know anybody who doesn't have any problems. You know, everybody's trying to make life a little better, which is great. And in in everyone's own way they're being creative some of them just don't realize it yet um we recognize that a lot of people may try this and say well what do you do with all these ideas after you know you we generated 100 ideas but like we can't possibly go forward with all of these it's true that's where you you're going to need to use whatever tools you got um and we outlined some in in the fifth chapter of the book actually about narrowing down ideas selecting them refining them how do you prototype ideas to see what actually might work um and and to take ideas to take that first step with some ideas a lot of people uh i think have good ideas but aren't sure how to move them forward Mm -hmm. um uh some people uh they they lack the ideas themselves, uh, but both are important. And so I, I hope we don't, we haven't come across as, you know, bashing critical thinking or bashing selective re- refinement or, or anything like this, or, or, you know, for anybody who says, well, we just t- took an idea and acted upon it and now we're going for it. That's awesome. That's, that's part of the creative process as well, testing and implementing and then learning from that and seeing, okay, what do we need to change? We're, we're never going to be perfect. Our first ideas are never our best. And that's maybe that's kind of the the gist of creativity. Our first ideas are never our best. There's always things we can do to improve mm-hmm. our ideas, and and improve others' ideas as well. I always ask, you know, what what is the biggest room in the world? That I have no idea. Yeah, it's the room for improvement. Ah, oh. I'm, I'm, uh, I put I'm tweeting it. Yeah. I'm tweeting it. <laughs> so leadership really is about you know, like you say, identifying those possibilities. And, and helping people move forward on them together. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I think when we, when we have a bunch of people, the, the, the good thing is about, about creativity, about brain sprouting, when people know the process, it gets easier to do together. It's not like some secret that needs to be you know, kept and guarded because it's going to give you an advantage. It, it will give you an advantage when everybody knows it. Um, everyone will achieve way more um, the ideas will be better. The progress will be faster because people will be on the same page with, with what's most needed for the situation right now. It'll be way more fun. All right. It'll my, be way more fun. <laughs> my gentlemen, it has been an absolute blast. It, the, the men are Joel Hilchey and Brandon Love. The book is Brain Sprouting, How to Become Fearlessly Creative and Have Better Ideas More Often. 
thanks so much. Like, there's an awful lot to, to roll with here and to apply. So thanks so much for, for taking the time. This has been such a, a, a privilege. Thank you. Yeah, thanks so much, Drew. Really appreciate it. And that brings us to the end of another Day One Leadership Podcast. My thanks to Joel Hilchey and Brandon Love for coming on and sharing so much practical information with us. I asked the guys to be on because I truly do love the book. I read it honestly in 90 minutes, and I probably would have read it faster if I hadn't stopped every few minutes to write down an idea and say, that's something I could put to work right away. It's called Brain Sprouting. You can buy it at www.brainsproutingbook.com. Again, that's www.brainsproutingbook.com. You can find Joel at www.joelhilchey, that's H-I-L-C-H-E-Y.com, and Brandon at brandonlovemagic.com. My thanks so much to both of them. Thank you for coming and joining us once again. If you've been listening to the podcast and you haven't yet gone on to iTunes and written us a review, we really could use a few more. If you go and you give us a five-star review, it really helps us pick up new listeners and it would mean a great deal if you could take care of that for us. If you've liked what you heard, please keep sharing and go out and write us a review. It means a lot and it really does help. That's it for this week. I'm going to be back next week with another Day One Leadership Podcast. Until then, I'm Drew Dudley. This is Day One. Every day is Day One. I'll see you next week. Thank you.